This is the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. We are in week four of the Holy Spirit series. Every believer is gifted by the Spirit. What is the purpose and how am I supposed to use them? This week, Pastor Andy will explore why we need to use spiritual gifts together. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Kenosha Church, and a very good morning to everybody watching online and on Kenosha.Church. In fact, church, let's say hello to them right now. One, two, three, hello, church online. Woo! Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's try that again. Let's try that again, because here's the deal. Uh, online, they have a tough time hearing this. We did put up some mics. I don't know if they're turned on today, so we have to go really loud if they're gonna hear us, all right? So let's give it a hoop and holler for our church online. All right, let us know if you heard that, all right? We said hello, all right? But we are so thankful for you online, and we are saving you a seat from when you choose to come back during this such odd season. My name is Andy. If this is your first time here at Emmanuel, welcome to Emmanuel Kenosha Church. And as Tom mentioned, you can download our app. And on there, when you fill out the Connect card, we're going to send you coffee from a local coffee shop of your choice. That is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, we are in our fourth week of the Holy Spirit uh, series. And today we're going to take a look at spiritual gifts. But before we dive into that, I want to just kind of piggyback off what Tom was talking about with the worship night. In fact, starting tomorrow... We are going to enter a one-week time as an all-church fast. Uh, just as God led us in January to an all-church fast uh, prior to the pandemic, he's, we believe that uh, he's leading us into an all-church fast again. All right, We didn't know why other than it was a new year, but we felt like something was in, on the horizon. Nobody knew what was on the horizon or what was going to be coming in such the fashion it was as the pandemic. Well, we, uh, for the last couple, about a month or so, have been really just been hitting that, okay, we believe that we as a church need to pray, we need to fast together. So starting tomorrow morning and going through next Sunday, we'll break the fast at church service next Sunday. We'll be fasting as a church for revival in our personal life, for revival in our church, in our city and nation. Now, what's that mean? Well, we're going to pray specifically uh, that God meets the needs of the city, that we see people place their faith and trust in Jesus, that we, see, uh, that we see God really just capture the hearts of our city and our nation. That's number one. Number two is we are going to pray for uh, things in our life. Maybe there's a bold prayer that you've been having out there. Maybe it's a family member that's gonna, that needs to come to Christ. Maybe it's a situation in your relationships or your job or an uncertain future. Uh, you're going to use this fast to pray for that personal area as well. So we're going to pray for our city, our, our church and our city. We're going to pray for a very bold, specific prayer that's uh, to your life. And so uh, what does a fast look like? Well, in Scripture, it's usually food, but we're going to make this really broad and, and really accessible. We don't want to be legalistic about this. Uh, it can be all food. In fact, an all food fast is the preferred way. But you know what? Uh, for whatever reasons, uh, that might not be, you might not be able to do that. So you can maybe take different foods out or it might not even be food based at all. It could be coffee or, well, I guess that is food based, uh, sugar. It could be just removing one meal for the day. It could be sports. It could be media. It could be not listening to the news. Now, how about that? That'd be an amazing blessing, right? It could be removing Netflix, a, a hobby, anything significant to where you're going to replace that with prayer. 
That's, that's the heart of it. It's taking something significant out of your life and replacing it with prayer. So like when, you, when it's your go-to, maybe just to start scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, like, oh wait, I'm gonna pray to God. I'm gonna pray uh, for our church. I'm gonna pray for our city and our nation for revival. And I'm gonna pray this big, bold prayer. God, I just pray that this relationship can be reconciled or whatever, okay? And so during our fast, our church cafe during the week will be open. So we have a church cafe in the Circle Drive that will be open from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock Monday through Friday this week for you, just, just an open space for you to pray, all right? That's a practical way for you to, uh, to honor this time. Also, there are going to be two big events, as Tom mentioned, our worship night this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, and then, of course, next Sunday when we break the fast. Church, it is, I cannot just say this enough. If you've never been to a worship night, you need to get to this worship night. If you call Manual home, or even if you want to call Manual home, unless you're working or you're on your deathbed or you're quarantined or whatever, make sure that you are here on Wednesday night. And if you're at home and not, uh, and you're like, I, I'm not comfortable coming yet, we're going to make sure that you can be with us online as well. All right. We want this to be a time that's set apart uh, for you uh, to, as we seek this out. It's so vitally important. We believe that we're really just on the cusp of something, just even as a, a nation when it comes to revival. And if there is not a time to start praying and set a time apart to fast and pray, then church, I said this last week, I just don't know when you're ever going to do it. And so I feel bad for people that don't step into this, not to, as a way of shame, but because there's a blessing. There's absolute blessing uh, that uh, happens when we come together and we pray. All right, so let's enter the season with faith, faith, expectation, and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. All right, so fasting starts tomorrow. And by the way, I did have one other question. Someone's like, well, I have like a banquet on Tuesday, or I have this big family gathering. Eat at the banquet, all right? Like eat, all right? Unless, you, unless they're like, I'm not gonna do that, that's fine. But again, we don't want, it's not the, the letter of the law. It's really just setting apart extra time to pray and fast, all right? All right, so we are in our fourth week of the Holy Spirit series. Week one, we talked about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Week two, uh, we talked the opposite of that, how you can quench the Spirit. Last week, we talked about how to be a Spirit-driven church. And this week, we're gonna talk about how to understand spiritual gifts and really begin to open up this discussion that we will complete next week and how to operate in the spiritual gifts. As a reminder, uh, the praise of Jesus does not stop when we stop singing. Uh, worship continues, whether it's through giving or it's the opening of God's word. So I encourage you to open up God's word right now, whether you have your physical Bibles or in your app, uh, you're gonna wanna take notes. And so some of you, you're, uh, you are like, over and above, you have your own notebook. That's my wife. She has notes from my sermons from five years ago. I'm like, I preached that, okay? And so, uh, but we all have a notepad in our, in our phones. So take notes, especially in this series. It's so foundational. And again, this is an act of worship. All right, so I have an opening question for you today as we get into spiritual gifts. But how many of you, when your teacher or your boss announces there's gonna be a group assignment or group project, you're just super excited about that? How many of you? Like you love just group projects or group assignments? Okay, I'm seeing maybe one or two, okay? How many of you absolutely despise it, right? Like, ah, oh, yes, me too, I'm with you guys, all right? Some of you guys are undecided. I don't understand that when they take polls and they're undecided. I'm like, what do you have to decide about? Anyway, so just, but anyway. You know, I'm an extrovert, and I don't like group projects. Why? Because here's the deal. Either I really know what I'm doing, 
or I really don't know what I'm doing, all right? So if it's a subject like, you know, ministry or world civilization, even Greek, I can, I can walk with it, all right? I, I, can, I can contribute. But you know what? When I was in school, they made me take chemistry uh, they made me take chemistry to, to get my pastoral degree, right? That was like the one thing I worried about when I was in meteorology. I'm like, oh, I don't want to take chemistry, oh, right? Well, then I transferred to, you know, take a pastoral degree, and they're like, hey, you need to take chemistry to, to pass this. I'm like, why? When am I ever going to teach the periodic elements, table of the elements, right? Well, anyway... I had to take this class, and of course there's lab, all right? And so I'm like, I have to be strategic when I'm gonna pick my lab partner. And so I saw this guy from afar, I knew he was smart, I'm like, you, you are gonna be my lab partner. And he responds to me, he goes, what? Well, okay. It's like, yeah, all right. He was like the Elon Musk of our school. He was brilliant. I had a number one draft pick. Little did he know this was like picking me to be the star of the basketball team and I should be the last one picked in PE, right? But we were gonna be a team. And basically what he would do is he would do all the work and I would encourage him. And that's what he, why he wanted me on his team. He's like, you're, I hear you're an encouraging person. I'm like, thank you. I hear you're absolutely brilliant. And so he would talk in his still small voice. If you mix potassium and chlorine, you get chloride. And okay, yeah, that's great. He he would he would turn on the Bunsen burner and he would drop little droplets on pieces of paper and it would just do things. And I would be like, yeah, that that was cool, but I'd have no clue what he was doing. And he wouldn't stop for me to understand. I was just there to encourage him. I never really understood that until one day he didn't show up. And so I was leading this lab all by myself. And I'm going to tell you, it was a bonafide dumpster fire disaster, literally. Like, you know, let's just go back to the mist of time for some of us, all right? And let's go back and remember when you were in lab. Listen, when you were in chemistry and you had like the, the little elements and the little dropper, you weren't supposed to put it back into the source jar, right? You're supposed to put it in the throwaway jar, right? Because if you put it in the source jar, you'll ruin the source jar. And worse yet, you could create a reaction that's going to be really, really bad. Well, I chose to put it into the source jar and my... Leftover elements into the source jar created such a reaction, it stunk out the whole place, we had to evacuate the lab. And as we evacuated the lab and everybody's pointing their finger at me, I realized, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I see Mr. Musk sitting out in the lobby. And I go up to him and say, what are you doing? Why weren't you in there? I created a whole problem about blew this whole building up. I'm bored. You're bored? Well, you should have seen it in there. Everybody's not bored now. This is gonna be a story for the rest of our life. I think I'm going to drop out of school. What? What? And you know what I did? For the next hour, I encouraged him. You see, I was the encourager. I encouraged him to not drop out of school. You're a senior. Why are you going to drop out of school? I don't need this. You're almost crossing the finish line. I don't want to do this. Come on, Elon. You can do this. That's not really what his name was, all right? But I mean, and I realized some of us are brilliant. Some of us are encouragers. Some of us are both but we all have something to give. And here's the deal. Without my lab partner, the laboratory was gonna blow up. Without me in the laboratory, the people that know what they're doing, they get bored and they leave. But you know what, This I tell you this story because it's much like the church. You see, the thing is, is we need each other. We don't all have the same giftings, but if we don't have each other, many of us will give up or a lot of us will blow up. 
We need the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church so that we can be fully the church in operating in, in his ministry, in his mission. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Spiritual gifts. We need each other to make much of Christ, to grow in Christ, to move his mission forward. Without the gifts of the Spirit, we are not walking in all what he has for his church. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start off in verse 1. Let me just read the first three verses, and then we're going to break this down a little bit more. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is writing to the Corinthian church concerning the spiritual gifts. Well, he wrote the Corinthian church about a lot of things. In fact, Paul uh, founded the Corinthian church, and it wasn't much longer that uh, the, the church began to grow rapidly in a very pagan area. And he wanted to encourage them in this letter concerning some problems. Now, they were doing some things right. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So we see here he begins his letter to the Corinthians to encourage them and to correct them. He's saying, look, you do not lack any spiritual gift. All the spiritual gifts are operating in this church and you have an eager expectation for Jesus to come back. And I would say just on paper, that's a pretty good compliment, wouldn't you say? But he had something against them. You see, the Corinthian church, they were experts on the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would imagine, for some of you are gonna get this joke, some of you are just gonna go, whoop, and don't worry about it if you don't get it. But uh, inside joke here, but uh, they were so spiritual, their church logo had a diving dove, all right? So, some of you got that. A diving dove in one of our stained glass windows right there. There we are. The Corinthian church were experts in using their spiritual gifts, but there was a big, big problem. A big problem. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. He complimented them. Hey, you got them all. But you know what? You're not spiritual. You are babies. And they're like, whoa, 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 what? This is, you're supposed to be encouraging us. You see, this church was full of divisions. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, you realize right off the bat, there are some major, major problems in this church. They're full of divisions. People wanted to follow one personality over the other personality. There was sexual immorality. Gossiping was, was, a, was a fire. Uh, they were not full of grace to each other. They were confused in their theology concerning marriage, divorce, I mean, some were even showing up and getting drunk at communion. Can you believe this? They're like, man, I'm hungry today. What do you do when you're eating all the bread? I'm hungry. Some people were drinking all, the, drinking all the wine and they were getting drunk. Like this church had some big, big issues and people were turning a blind eye to it. Well, we're spiritual. We know all about the spiritual gifts. We're okay. So ironically, they're experts of the spirit, but they weren't living by the spirit. So Paul wrote to condemn and correct this errant behavior. And the Corinthian church it was like America's Got Talent. You know, with all, if they had all the gifts, how do you think they were using them if they were uh, not being spiritual? It was a talent show. One guy would be like, watch me prophesy. 
I will prophesy all these things. And others say, oh yeah? Well, you can prophesy, but I can heal. I healed this guy's headache over here. Then another guy on the other side of the room is like, you just healed a headache? You just healed a headache? I healed the whole guy's head. I don't even know what that means. Another guy said, well, I can speak in tongues for 15 minutes. Another guy's like, well, I can speak in tongues for 30 minutes and I can interpret it myself. You see, in this service, it wasn't about building up the church and moving the ministry forward. It was about proving your spirituality. It was a dumpster fire on steroids. Make no mistake, spiritual gifts should be used in the church, but the book of 1 Corinthians, it gives us a picture of how not to use them in many ways, and Paul actually corrects, and we'll get into this next week, of how to properly use them. You see, the main problem with the Corinthian church is they were using their gifts for their own enjoyment and not for the glory of God and not for building up the church and moving the ministry forward. So here's the main idea I wanna give today, and then we're gonna unpack ways that we need to understand spiritual gifts for us to be able to implement spiritual gifts in our life, all right? So this is kind of a two-parter within a series, all right? So here's the main idea if you're taking notes. God's gifts are less about you and more about others. God's gifts are less about you and more about others. And this is important as we unpack this, this specifics here. Because if you miss this foundation, uh, you will dabble into the gifts or, you'll, or, or, you'll, or you may even live into the gifts of the Spirit, but you'll be doing it with the wrong aim uh, and with the wrong end point. So we're going to take a look at three truths from this main point, and I hope this makes us understand fully, biblically, what it means uh, to embrace spiritual gifts and what they are for. So number one, if the gifts are less about us and more about others, number one, your spiritual abilities don't originate from you. We need to understand that. Your spiritual abilities don't originate from you. 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Spiritual gifts, that word spiritual gifts, look at that in your text. Uh, literally, that, that we see that word spiritual. Uh, it, it's not just something that you do spiritual. That word spiritual is a pneumatikos, which means it's of, of the Spirit, so people can read spiritual, I'm like, I'm just feeling spiritual right now. And we've kind of lost uh, meaning of what that means, right? We've lost meaning of when we say, oh, that's so super spiritual. No, what this is saying here is this spiritual is from the Holy Spirit. It's from God. It's not from you. That once a person places their faith and trust in Christ, we have, we have, we have learned in these last few weeks, you receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we walk in his strength. We walk in his giftedness. We discover them. Uh, we, we get better at them. We, we, we implement them. But we see here, gifts of the Spirit, that they don't originate from the human talent or our human hearts, but from the power of the Spirit. So by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Let me say that again. Spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and he's used in any ministry of the church. Because these gifts don't originate from us, we realize that spiritual gifts operate using God's power. They operate using God's power. We see this in verse four, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four. Now, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God who works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. Now, there's a lot to break down in this passage I just read. So let's take a look at verse four. What we see here is there are different gifts. And that word gifts in the original is where we get the word charismata. It's where we get the word charismatic. 
charismata is, means grace. Uh, charis means grace in Greek, all right? You're learning a lot in Greek today, all right? So you're gonna be fluent, all right? So charismata, grace, grace gift, which means that when you receive a spiritual gift, it's by God's grace, it's by his mercy, it's not by merit, it's not by that we worked our way up into it and we deserve these gifts and God, you're gonna give me these certain gifts. It's that God gives you these gifts by his mercy, by his kindness, there's nothing that we did to deserve it. And that's pretty awesome. That means that every single person, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus in this room, God wants to bestow you spiritual gifts in your life despite your life. That's pretty cool, isn't it? We see in verse five, the gifts are called ministries. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And that word ministry in the original is where we get servant. So we see here that there are gifts from the Lord to create service towards others. Verse six and there are different activities, but the same God who works all of them in each person. That word activities, if you're taking notes and you underline that, activities is where we get the word energeron, which is, which is or energerma, excuse me. I want to give you the right Greek word. But uh, uh, it is, it's where we get energy. It's where we get that word of, of, of power. But we see here that it's not just some kind of forceless, mindless power. It's power from the Lord. So when you put verses four, five, and six together, uh, what you have here is a full understanding of what the spiritual gifts are all about. You see that they're not from you. They're not from, you didn't merit them. Uh, God gives you uh, gifts by his grace, by his kindness. They're used to minister to one another. They're therefore to be, for you to be a servant. And they are used within his supernatural power, not just your natural talents. Sam Storms puts it this way. Sam Storms writes a book called uh, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. Really good book. Another one you want to put in your Amazon cart. But this is what he says. He says, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separate from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, and infusing power in our wills and working as sovereign and gracious purposes through us. With the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes alive in us. Just as Tom talked about a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not some forceless energy. It's not like Star Wars, believe in the force, all right? It is actually God working in and through you. Now, I often hear people say, you know, I would believe God more, or I'd believe his power more. Uh, if, 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 you know, I, I believe that he could even get me through situations if I could just see Jesus, right? I mean, we've thought that, we've heard people say that. When you're talking to people that don't believe in Jesus, they're like, if I could just see him. And so what we're asking is that we, we would do better if Jesus was standing beside us. But you know what? Jesus told his disciples it was better that he would leave so that the spirit comes. This is why it's better. It's not just that, that we get Jesus beside us. When we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, it's that he is living inside of you. So it's something better than beside you. He's living inside of you. He's the Emmanuel. He's the God with us. And as we seek to be filled, as we seek to be aware of his presence, we, we begin to be aware of his gifting that he's bestowed on us and that he wants to execute through us. So spiritual gifts are not just for super apostles. Uh, they're not for the superheroes of the faith or professional pastors or the celebrity pastor or whomever. They are for you. They are for me. They are for every single one of us. I love this passage. It's uh, in James 5, 7. It's not on the screen, but I just want to mention it to you. It speaks of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets. 
James 5, 7, it says that Elijah was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain. Think about this. Elijah prayed so hard he could affect the weather, right? Like we would love if we could do that. And we're like, oh, that's just Elijah. And there's all these different stories when you read about Elijah's life, one of the greatest prophets. And we're like, oh, that's Elijah. But listen, I, this is what I absolutely love about James 5, 7. It says, Elijah was a human being as we are. He, some of your translations will say he has the same nature as we do. What, and what's encouraging about this is, is that it's not about just some super prophet in the Bible that God is gonna work through. He wants to work through you. Because God's, because the gifts don't originate from you, but God, your spiritual abilities don't originate from you. Spiritual gifts operate within God's power, but spiritual gifts always, here's a key thing, will always point to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, verse three, therefore I want you to know that no one is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. You see, this is what's really important is that as you begin to walk in the power and the giftings of the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be so easy for you to wanna take the credit. It's gonna be so easy to just fixate maybe even on the gifts or, or, or on what's happening. But what's so key is spiritual gifts will always point to Jesus, always. There are a number of cults that even claim supernatural occurrences. There are a number of, of things in the occult that, that claim uh, supernatural occurrences, but the truth isn't rooted in the Bible and it never points to Jesus. So we see these examples, whether in real religions or new age practices or cults, and listen, they must be rejected as counterfeit and what the Bible says, demonic. Many members of the Corinthians church, they, they came out of pagan practices. They had to really separate themselves from the mixture of the, the occult and, and understanding the supernatural of the Holy Spirit. Paul will lay out in chapters 13, 14 to affirm the supernatural. You see, a lot of people, they, they throw out the supernatural because of the abuses. In fact, it's not just the occult that tries to claim supernatural. Sometimes we see what I call prophets for profit. They're people that are on maybe sometimes Christian TV and they're, you know, they, they, you find out they have multi-billion dollar homes or whatever, you know, and you know, they have a, an estate on the moon or something. Like, how'd that happen, right? And their profits are profit, right? And the thing is, is they'll come up with these grandiose visions and it's all about building up their ministry, not so much Jesus. And here's the deal, we, it grieves my heart. It grieves my heart, whether it's the occult or whether it's people that use Jesus' names to enrich themselves. It absolutely grieves my heart. Why? Because so many people reject the supernatural because of it. Many people use, to use the old term, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the thing is this, is we need to affirm God's supernatural. We need to affirm his Holy Spirit, even amongst that there are abuses in Jesus's name. We want to be biblical about it, but we want to make sure that we are supernatural about it as well. I love this quote by Jack Deere. Jack Deere says, too much of the church today has more confidence in Satan's ability to deceive us than in God's ability to speak to us and lead us. Some people today are like, you know, I just don't want any of the Holy Spirit stuff because, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I don't. Listen, here's the deal. We need to have confidence that God wants to speak to us and lead us more than the confidence of what the enemy can do to us. What he's not saying is, is to say that the enemy is not powerful and we shouldn't, uh, you know, uh, we, we shouldn't be concerned about the enemy. Listen, the enemy wants nothing more for you to be useless in the things of God. But I want you to know that sometimes people give more honor that's due to the enemy and they love that because here's the deal. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is stronger than the enemy's best day. Spiritual gifts, spiritual abilities, they don't originate from you. Our second point this morning 
is your spiritual abilities are incomplete without the church. So if the spiritual abilities don't originate from you, right? If, they're, if, if you're to receive the power in these gifts, if these gifts are always to point to Jesus, uh, we understand the, the point of them. But listen, they will not find their maximum use if you're not in the church or if you're not committed to using them in the church. Your spiritual abilities, no matter how strong they are, will be incomplete without the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. We see here specifically, the reason why they're, complete without the, they're incomplete without the church is because spiritual gifts are to be used to build other people up. In verse seven, let's break this down. The word manifestation is very clear that the Holy Spirit operates to make himself visible through working his outworkings in you. A gift is not theoretical. A gift is to actually happen. Now, here's the deal. Some people only want the Spirit of God to use them if the Spirit of God forces them to be used, right? And so you're like, okay, God, uh, um, I, I, I'll do it. Uh, I'll eagerly desire, you know, for gifts to operate my life, but you're gonna have to do everything, right? I mean, let's break this down. This is, this is how it is sometimes. I think you're gonna resonate with this because listen, I've thought this too, right? Prayer time. We have prayer time and God's placed something on your heart, okay? You're like, man, God's placed Tom in my heart. I feel like he just needs encouragement today. But God, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to do it all if I'm gonna you know, pray for him, okay? Because I'm sitting right here. You know, what we want is we want God to forcibly move our legs, like, whoa, what am I? I'm walking towards Tom. God's doing it, right? And then we get up to Tom, and, and then we're like, all right, I'm just gonna stand here now, and then God, you have to move my mouth. Oh, he's moving my mouth and listen to the words. Oh, they're brilliant. They're all God, right? Like that's, that's, what, that's what we think we need God to do is just make us into this robot where we're just kind of watching. Whoa, look what God's doing. But no, instead, if God's placed Tom on my heart, I need to realize, am I gonna pray for him or not? Now, I could be wrong and I go up and say, hey, Tom, you know, I just feel like you need encouragement today. Do you need encouragement today? No. Oh, and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm just gonna pray for you anyway. Guess what happens? Nobody died. I'm just gonna pray for Tom anyway. How could you not be blessed just by, just by praying for somebody, right? I was wrong, but so what? I'm gonna pray for Tom. And so here's the deal. What, what we need to do is when, we, when the Lord places something on our heart, we just need to go for it. And so I'm gonna say, you know what? He's placed Tom on my heart. Tom, do you mind if I pray for you? No, go for it. Awesome. And so I asked permission and then I'm going to pray for him. Now we're in a socially distanced era. Okay. So I don't want to assume that he wants me up in his grill. All right. So I'm just going to pray like, you know, from, from a distance a little bit, but here's the deal. Let's say Tom said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. We honor that. We honor that. But more time than not, people are like, yeah, yeah, I want, I want prayer. And then I'll share, Hey, you know what? I just felt like I need to encourage you today. Do you need encouraged today? Yeah. And then I'm going to pray encouragement over him. And then, and then, you know what happens? God used this immediately. He used this precisely to meet the needs of another person in the body. That's what it's about. But oftentimes, we want God to do it all for us. Listen, God can do it all for you. He can move your legs if you're gonna be stubborn. He can move your mouth, right? But listen, what he really wants is a willing participant to be obedient and step out and minister. God wants to use you, but you need to be willing so back to verse seven, a manifestation of the spirit is given to, let's say this together, each person, each person, everyone say each person again. Each person. 
which means if each person is each one, that means it's everyone, which means you're all gifted. God's given you gifts. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus, God has given you gifts of the spirit to operate in. So I want you to turn to the person to your right and say, I'm gifted. All right, do it. One, two, three. Now I want you to turn to the person to your left and say, don't let it go to your head. All right. When you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When we seek to be filled in him, we are, we, we are empowered to be gifted by him. Now listen, many gifts are permanent. Some gifts are temporary for the, for the need in the moment. Gifts can vary in intensity. Some, some seasons you may operate in a specific gift uh, stronger than you would in other seasons. And that's okay. God can do that. Now, if you fall into sin, your gifts, you'll notice the, the, the intensity will, will go down a bit, right? It's not that if the intensity of your gifts have gone down that you're always sinning, but if you're sinning, you can almost guarantee the, uh, the intensity of your giftedness will go down. We're to be using our gifts for, notice that word, the common good for each other, to build each other up. In the Corinthian church, many people thought the gifts uh, were as trophies to show off to each other. But when the Corinthian church was trying to show off, what do you think God was doing? You know, this guy just gives us just wonderful prophecy. And then another guy's like, he had so much faith, he actually moved a mountain. And another person was speaking the tongues of angels. And they're like, God, we performed well today in church, didn't we? I showed up all that west side that was just kind of being quiet. I was being the loud one today. And I showed everybody my trophy of my giftedness. And, you know, God's probably like, whoa, man, I just can't believe what you did today. That's a man. He's not saying that. He's like, church, I'm the one that did it. I just moved through you. You didn't do that. You were just, and that's exactly what it is. You see, the moment that God gifts us, our flesh is going to want to kick in and we're going to want to take credit whether it's being gifted or whether it's, it's helping somebody or whether it's, we love to steal the glory. We are bonafide glory hogs. And people are like, how dare you say that about me? Listen, we all struggle with that, okay? Can we just say that? We all want the glory, but we were not made for the glory. He was made for the glory. Let me de demonstrate it this way. Uh, my kids love to go to this restaurant out in Iowa when we go visit grandma. It's called the Pizza Ranch, all right? How many of you been to the Pizza Ranch, all right? It's, it's glory, all right? So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those buffets where you're just excited about all the options, but when you taste it, you're like, eh, all right? So, but my kids don't go there for the pizza. They go there for the Pizza Ranch Arcade, all right? They know that they're gonna spend mom and dad's money at the arcade, a very expensive arcade, but they like one particular game. It's called Cruisin' Blast. For those of you from the Nintendo 64 days, it's like the... Third or fourth sequel from Cruising USA, all right? So it's a racing game that you race all throughout the world. And so my son Elias, who's nine, he does pretty well with it. But my son Graham, who's only three, he doesn't know what he's doing, right? And so, and he, and he gets upset when I tell him, oh, you're too young for this. Your feet can't even feet the, you know, you gotta, your, your leg has to hit the pedal and you gotta be able to, and he doesn't understand any of that. So what I do is I put Graham on my lap and I put his hands on the steering wheel and I drive, but he thinks he's driving right? And you should have seen him when I beat Elias. Oh, he turned his head to Elias. He goes, Elias, I won, I won. I drove so good. I won. I beat you. And he wouldn't be quiet about it. I beat you, Elias. No, Elias. Or he goes, no, Graham, you didn't beat me. That was daddy. Nuh-uh. I drove it. Ah, right? But you know, 
when we operate in the giftedness of God through the Holy Spirit, he puts our hands on the steering wheel and we go for it. But we must never forget who's actually driving. And that's what's so key and that's what the church of Corinth forgot. They forgot who is actually doing the driving. You see, the spiritual gifts, they... They're incomplete without the church. They're for the building up of others. But you know what? They're also very diverse. You see, not everybody's gonna have the same gift. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse eight. To one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit. So that's like God, we're gonna unpack more of these next week. But that is God giving you supernatural wisdom for a moment. Another is a message of knowledge. That's word of knowledge. That's God giving you specific knowledge or basically like a download you wouldn't otherwise know. Verse nine, to another faith, and not just faith, we're all to have faith, but like supernatural faith by the same spirit. To other gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another performing miracles. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. Some of your translations may say discernment. To another different kinds of tongues. To another interpretation of tongues. One in the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. Now, this isn't the only passage of gifts. In fact, I'll put on the screen there. There are uh, four other main passages here, uh, whether it be in Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter 4, and again, there's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, there's another section. And again, you'll see some overlap, but the main point that I want to just draw attention to this large list of gifts is that it's not exhaustive. God's spirit wants to work supernaturally through you. These are the gifts that just the, the apostles brought up. So we're gonna dive into these specifically next week. But the main point I bring this up this week is we don't have them all. They're diverse. We have a variety of them. Paul illustrates it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He says, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, through men, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. I absolutely love this. It shows that there are a variety of gifts. We don't all have them, and it doesn't matter what your background is. No matter who you are, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you gotta remember that there is a huge caste system in this era of, uh, in the Roman Empire. And, and, and the, the, just the scandalous thing is that the Spirit of God can meet the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich. That didn't matter to God. What mattered to him was faith. So I love the analogy that Paul's gonna bring up. He brings up a body. And his point is, is that not one is better off with, if they have one particular gift or they don't. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he has wanted. This kind of reminds me of the game, Would You Rather? You know that game? Would you rather? Would you rather lose an arm or lose an eye? Like, I just never really got that game. Whenever someone would ask me that question, I'm like, can I just not play? Like, I, I object. I want both. I want an arm and an eye, all right? Can, can, no, you have to pick one. I was like, okay, uh, let me see here, right? It's a lose-lose situation, right? And that's precisely what Paul is saying. 
He's saying when we are lacking in one part, we are, we are, we're not whole. We're not, we're not operating fully in what God and how he wants us to operate. I hear this all the time, especially in 2020. I hear this especially, I hear this especially with those that are under 40. I just love Jesus, but I just don't really love the church. Heard that? Just love Jesus. I just don't really love the church. And the thing is, uh, Jesus calls the church his bride, so watch out, right? Uh, But this is a really big misunderstanding. When we say that, we are saying that in our individualistic person, we have everything we need to just be fully operating in the things of God. Now, don't mishear me. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you are fully redeemed. You are made whole in Christ. But God wants us to operate much more than just ourselves. God wants you to experience his fullness and work that can only be accomplished when his church is working together in their giftedness. The gift that you have may make you happy. The gift that you have may make you uh, feel satisfied. Some of you are like, I don't even know what gift I have. Great, well, stick around the series because I hope we get to change that. But here's the deal. The gifts are not about you. They are to make much of Jesus. They are to minister to one another and push the ministry forward. The gifts are not about our agenda. The gifts are not on our terms. The gifts are about God's agenda, about God's timing, and about God's terms. And there's been a big mess in the church for many, many years because people thought it was the other way around. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 said God has put the body together, giving greater honor to less honorable so that there will be no division in the body, that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. And if one member is honored, then the members rejoice with it. And this church specifically, they thought the best gift on planet earth was the gift of tongues. And again, Paul wasn't demeaning that. He's like, hey, listen, I don't forbid that. And I wish that you all spoke it like me. But, but listen, what about other gifts? Specifically, the, the, the specific hospitality or, or administration. Or he says, I, I eagerly, that you de- eagerly desire to prophesy. He's like, listen, here's the deal. The point is this. Some of you think that one gift is way bigger than another one. But I want you to know we need them all to operate in the fullness of what God has for us. Your obedience of the Spirit is to be used by the Spirit to bless God and to bless the church. We use the gifts to make much of God, to build others up and to move ministry forward. God's gifts are less about you and they're more about others. Your spiritual abilities uh, don't originate from you. Your spiritual abilities are incomplete without the church. And last thing I wanna say before we land the plane this morning is your spiritual abilities are not a measurement of your spiritual maturity. Let me say that again if you missed it. Because if you missed this one, you'll miss it all. Your spiritual abilities, your spiritual giftedness is not a measurement of your spiritual maturity. Remember, gifts are not given to you because you did something awesome. Gifts are given to you because God is graceful, merciful, and loves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you're the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles and gifts of healing, help, leading, various kinds of tongues. But here's the, here's the kicker, verse 29. 
Are all apostles? Question mark. Are all prophets? Question mark. Are all teachers? Question mark. Do all do miracles? Question mark. Do all have gifts of healing? Question mark. Do all speak in tongues? Question mark. Do all interpret? Question mark. The Greek reader would understand the answer to this. It's an implied question. This is how a Greek reader, which the New Testament was written in Greek, this is, this is how they would hear this. Are all teachers? No. Do all do miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No, and etc. Paul's point is this. We can get enamored about what we have, but the big thing is this. What you have doesn't mean anything about how mature you are, or what you have doesn't even say, signify the importance of who you are. The importance is God. What's important is this, is that you're honoring God with your gifts and with your entire life. In fact, let me just say this. You've been gifted in the spirit, but what I as a pastor I think is much more important for you to make sure that you're consistent in the gifts is that are you thriving in the fruit of the spirit? You see, the fruit of the spirit doesn't get a lot of, we don't really like to talk about it a lot, right? Because that's where the rubber meets the highway. Fruit of the spirit, Galatians 2.20, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. In fact, Paul, we'll unpack this next week. Paul speaks in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that you can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, you can have all these miracles and mysteries that you know, but if you don't have love, just one of the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't have love, you are a clanging symbol. We must have the fruit of the Spirit if you want to excel in the gifts of the Spirit. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Again, in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, would anoint certain people. Uh, he didn't anoint everybody, but he'd anoint certain people. Today in the New Testament era of which we live in, everybody who places their faith and trust in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. We can all be filled then in the Holy Spirit, all right? No matter who you are, it's an amazing, amazing privilege. But back in this day, usually it was kings or prophets. And so Saul was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was gifted in the Holy Spirit. We see a number of times that he prophesies. But there was a point to where his heart turned away from God and his natural talents became so strong that he didn't even know when the Holy Spirit left him. You see, we don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit leaving you. The Holy Spirit, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus today in the New Testament era, uh, he stays with you, but you can quench the Spirit, right? So I believe the parallel is this, where Saul, a tragic, tragic space that Saul found himself in is that he had no fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit left him, but he was so talented, he didn't even know the Spirit left him. And today... We, become, we can become so enamored with knowledge of the Spirit. We can become so enamored with, with what we did in the Spirit in the past or what we even did today that will put the fruit on the back burner and we won't even know that the Spirit isn't using us anymore because we will rely on past experiences or rely on our natural talents. Church, I never ever want us to be in a spot where we believe in the Holy Spirit, we affirm the things of the Holy Spirit, but we don't even recognize that the Holy Spirit isn't active and functioning and growing in the impact of our life. That's a tragedy. And that's what I wanna pray against today. So next week, we're gonna get into the, we're gonna define a number of the gifts. We're gonna talk about how to pursue the gifts. And even Paul's lays out very clearly in chapter 14 how they operate even in services. But church, Right now, we need to do business. Before we go any way, any, any further, where is the fruit of the Spirit in your life? What is lacking? Where do you need to be filled? Love. 
Who are you having a hard time loving? Joy, where's it lacking? Peace, what keeps you up at night or what's worrying you, uh, worrying you to, to where your, your focus isn't on God, it's on that worry. Patience, where are you cutting corners? Kindness, who do you blow up at easily? Goodness, is there any area in your heart that isn't good, that, that, is, that has ill intent? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What fruit needs tending? So we're just gonna ask God that. We're gonna end our time with worship and we're gonna ask God that right now because this is the key for you to cultivate the gifts in your life. You need to have an abundance of fruit Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you connected with us on Facebook and Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emmanuel Kenosha. That way you never have to miss an episode and it helps us out greatly. At Emmanuel, we are not a perfect people, but a people being made new. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.